is the podcast to the show. You can listen to or know. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay, welcome back, everyone. We are here doing Ted Lasso Season 3, Episode 4, Big Week. Man, we're going to have a big week. I am your host, Coach Castleton. And with me, as always, Coach Bishop. What's good, y'all? And our boss, Emily Chambers. I also find the concept of 4 a.m. to be a joke. <laughs> that, somehow that doesn't surprise me. Um, this episode is written by the uh, uh, unbelievable Brett Goldstein and directed by Destiny Ekaraga. Um, before we jump in, I always say there are things that we may have missed uh, because we're trying so to blast out these episodes so quickly. And we thank everyone for their uh, wonderful loyalty and patience. Um, I want to talk about a couple things uh, that I haven't even mentioned to you guys yet. Um, one of them is, remember when we were talking about the music over the top of Zava entering the locker room and I made fun of it. I was like, oh, the music drop cracked me up. It was like chariots, chariots of fire Z mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That was actually the same. It's a sound. It's a it's a track called Ted Disappears. Oh, and it was we heard it. We heard it first um, during Ted's panic attack during the Spurs match in season two. Oh, um, right. And it was like when Rebecca was looking for him. Oh, now uh, we hear it uh, as Zava enters the locker room, and then again before they go out. And I thought, oh, that's just an interesting use of that. Hmm. Another, another thing uh, that we didn't mention was I think people could have probably put this together, but sometimes you say, like, where did the whole Zlatan Ibrahimovic stuff come from, you know, like with regard to Zava? Um, do you remember, boss, uh, what when uh, Brendan Hunt was living in Europe? Do you remember where he was living? Oh, yeah, he was living in Amsterdam. Uh, he was uh, work- doing improv at Boom Chicago. That's right. And he, uh, this was, you know, this was in 2001. Mm -hmm. And at that time, there was a player, you know, the team Ajax, you ever hear of the team Ajax? No. It's the, it's like the, it's like the fancy, one of the big, in the same way, Man Man U or, 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 you know, um, it's funny because we say, man, there's so, so much subtext to this, but like we say Man City because they got an influx of money and hired a huge coach and they went from a second tier AFC Richmond to all of a sudden, you know, they got this bunch of Middle Eastern money that came in and uh, huh. made the team a, a perennial contender. But, you know, it used to be Man U and Chelsea and whatever. Um, Ajax in, in the Netherlands is the Amsterdam team. And in 2001, they had a player uh, really? on that team named. Uh, Zlatan. Hmm. Makes all so, sense. Lest you wonder where that came from, Brandon Hunt was a huge fan of Ajax um, while he was living and working in Amsterdam. And then one final note that is not something we necessarily missed, but I thought it was a really cool thing. Um, we talked about the music drop of Jesus Christ Superstar. And there's a tweet I read by AJ Cataline, who's one of the two um, editors on on uh, Ted Lasso. 
He writes, I'm a huge JC Superstar fan. I've listened to the Weber Rice original cast album since I was a kid. My mind is blown when we cut to Rupert, who is Anthony Head, during this song, which is sung by his brother, Murray Head, as Judas. I knew that 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 had to be coming. Right? Isn't that cool? What a talented family. Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. Like, you can say whatever you want about Rupert, but I think he's debonair and... I think he kills his role. He's oh, yeah. horrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hor- the oh, stuff yeah. he says, you know, the serpentine uh, uh, attacks on, on Rebecca. I mean, he's vulgar. Yes. But that's, he's an actor doing a role. He's killing it. So um, anyway, I wanted to mention those things. Um, there's a lot more. If you pop over to antagonistblog.com, there's all kinds of Ted Lasso stuff you can read um, for this episode. Season uh, three, episode four, big week. Uh, we open over black to the sound of a doorbell ringing. Ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong, ding. And then bam, 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 right? Someone's hammering a door, a doorbell's ringing. What's going on? And we're over black. We cut to Jamie in bed, sound asleep. What do we remember about Jamie? I don't know. It's f- fuzzy. Everybody was drinking. Well, what's happening right now? His eyes open um, and he somehow pulls himself out of bed and gets to his front door. And who does he see there, coach? Roy Kent. Roy Kent. And we cue soft music and and Roy says what, boss? Right, let's go. It's 4 a.m. Yeah, we start at 4 a.m. I thought you were joking. How is that a joke? Because it's 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Just great. Um, and Roy says what, boss? We start at four, so you can do three workouts a day instead of two. Okay, but it's 4 a.m. <laughs> do you want to be better than Zava or not? And Jamie thinks about this. Well, how are we going to see? It's dark out. Uh, to which Roy pulls out a headlamp <laughs> and turns it on and put, it's like shines the light right, right in Jamie's I, face. I, I would lose my fucking mind. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- that is like a, that's, and Jamie says, fucking hell. Uh, which is a Roy line. Um, mm. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. right? He says a lot mm-hmm, of fucking hell. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Now Roy, Roy says what now? Now get dressed or I start flicking your balls. That's too perverse. Right. And Jamie walks away and we can see that he's got no trousers on. He he has no underwear on. It's just a bare ass Jamie Tart. Bottomless, yes. I would like to uh, throw out the term uh, shirt cocking. Which I originally learned uh, Seth Stevenson writing for Slate talked about going to Burning Man Mm. and that the only two rules are take out everything that you bring in, leave no waste Mm. and no shirt cocking. Nudity is fine. If you want to be totally naked, great. If you want to be naked on the top half, great. Dressed top half, naked bottom half, uh, not allowed. That's super interesting. I've never been to Burning Man. That seems like the kind of rule you need at burning man so that's yeah. interesting too but i i for me i guess it's a thing then because i was like is this kind of like almost like a bit of a childlike thing? like to me yes yes because it's yeah, also right? called the uh winnie the pooh or the toddler neither okay. of which says grown man going to bed in pajamas y- yeah because i was like you would, I don't know. I would just, you would think, you know, a guy, if a guy's going to wear one or the other, it's going to be the the trousers, if you will. That just made me laugh that that mm-hmm. is how Jamie went to sleep. <laughs> Why? But yeah. I, um, I just finished reading um, 
uh, a gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls and um, fascinating piece of literature. And while I was doing that, I just want to point out that boss was learning multiple ways to uh, categorize a man <laughs> mm-hmm. with a shirt on. Uh, now, with a, now no, wait, let's no, hold up. <laughs> he, he, he wrote, he wrote, and I read that article in 2011. I have known about shirt cocking for a very long time. I don't know. I still don't. Wow. First of all, maybe we just, we got to just move on. I don't understand the term. I don't get what shirt cocking mean. I know what a cock is. So you, I know what a shirt is. It means what, that you're, what it, you're, you're, you have a shirt, but you're also with your cock out, your shirt cocking. It's the two of them together. It's like a. And why would that be illegal at Burning Man? Because what are well, you doing? Because think about it. Like, just think about how it looks. Is it appealing? Are you doing nude? Or are you not doing nude? What are we doing here? Yeah, no, this is it's. It, and I shouldn't say that it's outlawed. I'm sure that if you decided to do it, it's fine. Nudity, like lots of dongs out. It's not an issue with dongs. It is specifically an issue with penis slightly covered up by shirt. It's not a great look. Welcome to um, the TedCast, everybody, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, dong, penis, and cock have all been slung in the last eight seconds. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> what do you mean by slung? There you go, boss. Great job. Great job. As soon as he said, I was like, I'm sorry. What did you just say? All right. Cool. Funny. All um, right. For those of you joining us for the very. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you while you were slinging dick. On, go for, on. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Sometimes people just uh, log into a podcast and try it out. Uh, for those of you who have joined us for the first time here at episode four, it, we are better than this, typically. Are we? Um, sl- slightly. Hmm? Uh, it's a it's a it's a game of degrees on the TedCast. Um, Roy uh, shakes his head in disbelief as he sees Jamie's naked ass. Um, reminded me of you know vanilla. Um, what is it? Vanilla vodka. What a child. What a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Roy's got to be wondering, like, okay, like, hmm, I thought maybe he was ready, but uh, now we cut to Nate's flat where uh, we're. we're it's outside the flat and we see the Aston Martin parked next to uh, his little shitty, I think it's a mini, right? His little, uh, yes. his yeah. Yeah, little green, green mini, mini Cooper. Um, and Nate is by himself in the dark. And the only light shining is desk lamp on this soccer field, this toy soccer field, uh, which I thought, oh, this is a metaphor for Nate being in the darkness. This show does like metaphors. Um, Nate wears his West Ham jersey. He sighs, he places a, a figurine in the center of the pitch, and we look back and we see, okay, that's Zava. Nate's trying to figure out how to beat Zava. Richmond is in a 4-5-1. West Ham is in Nate's false nine. Nate sighs and he glances at the calendar where the only day marked with any writing, there's some some days are crossed off, but the only day marked with any writing is says what, uh, boss? Richmond versus West Ham. Yep. And that's Saturday the 21st. Today's Monday the 16th. It's five days away. We get an insert of the day, like a close-up, extreme close-up of the day, circled in two different colors of ink. There's one that was written in and then circled again. Now, Nate flicks a ball. We can't see where it goes, but a 
Richmond figure goes flying <laughs> off. That's a call back to the opening scene, by the way. Oh, right. Like the shit kicker? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no. Man, he said yeah. he's going to oh. start flicking oh. balls. Mm-hmm. And let, mm-hmm. Roy, Roy oh, just said I that. Didn't even, yes, right. He flicks a ball. Yeah, right. Okay, he's going to start flicking balls. Um, so we can't see where the, the little ball goes, but a Richmond figure goes, goes uh, ass over tea kettles off the board. And there's this dickish Nate moment where he goes, <laughs> whoops. Right. And then something comes over Nate. And what happens, coach? He picks it. He picks the piece back up and, and sets it back on the field. And he says, there you go. And, and it's Ted. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, they make a lot of great choices on this show. And for me, this was another one of them. It's like, huh? Like, because I, I, I know, I felt like he turned it, you know, he, he ripped the sign, he turned his back, he's going away. And that's that. And, you know, but that was, you know, he's by himself. He doesn't have anything to prove to anyone. I thought that was what was most telling about it was that in his heart, that was too, that was too much. That was too harsh. That was too mean. Jeez, oh, Pete, sorry. That was apparently bikers still driving past my side street. Apologies. That um, was me. I never, ever get tired of you saying, uh, unironically, Jizo Pete. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thing I say. Okay, so um, now we cut to the picture uh, that Nate gave to Ted. We pan up from it to the mirror behind that where we see Ted sleeping. And he turns and realizes something and looks up and walk us through this, boss. So he is in bed. He looks up. Sassy says, good morning, Marlboro man. You know, you snored all night as she's getting dressed. He says, oh, sorry about that. She says, it's all right. It's actually very soothing. Sounded like the sea. He did not. I guarantee he did not sound like the sea. That's fine. Right. Uh, He says, I'm glad you didn't hear any boat horns giving all the fried yams I ate last night. (laughs) I mean, wow. Okay. All right. Uh, and so she laughs, he's looking at her and he says, that's a, that's a flatulation reference for those of you trying to figure out what he was talking about. Was right? that and unclear? I, I just want to make sure in case people say boat horns, like sometimes like we couldn't figure out Richmond was in Virginia. So you never know. That's what fair. Are, that is fair. What, what they're caught up on. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a, it's a fart joke. I, I do think, uh, as ridiculous as it's going to sound, and we can keep moving. I do think farting is like a relationship marker of sorts. So I yes. thought like, it's like, we aren't quite there yet, but we are at a fart joke is, yes. is a sense I got, you yes. know, which I thought was kind of an interesting way to show that, you know, they're getting to yeah. know each other a little bit. It is. And uh, no judgment. I have been there. I have done it. But it is always funny to me when you feel comfortable having sex with somebody, but not farting in front of them. Mm -hmm. It's a thing that happens. I understand it. Um, But Ted actually attempts to bridge that gap by saying, hey, I was thinking we have a good time together. And she says, yeah, they're called simultaneous orgasms, Ted. And he says, but I mean, with all the talking and laughing and all that stuff. And she says, sure, apart from your dreadful puns. And then he says, right, well, it's tough. Sometimes I just see them there and I got to take a swing at them, you know? Oh, well, no, because Sassy does not see. And he says, what I'm getting at is, I was just thinking maybe we could go on an actual date sometime, you know? 
And Ooh. Sassy looks looks stunned about that. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, you know, you, you and me together. I mean, and Sassy Sassy says, what, Coach? God no. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to consider it. Yeah. yeah. The best talk, part of waking up. Jesus Christ. Talk about how Ted decides he's got to take a swing and maybe it backfiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. She she says, oh, God, no. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's just catch everybody up. Um, so, yes, this. Well, okay. She, yeah. Before we get into why, well, the, 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 well, the why is the why is. A whole different thing. Of, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, but at least he put it out there and you got to give him credit. Um, here's the thing. Uh, the What Ted has gone through to get to this moment in bed mm-hmm. and what he's really looking for where mm-hmm. this is serving as an approximation for that, it's really painful to watch. Um, if you love Ted, and I think we all love Ted. Um, uh, puns be damned. We, we, uh, we do love Ted and, uh, right boss. I can eat, oh, say that for yes, you. Yes, definitely. Yeah, okay. Okay. Good. Um, you would be the only outlier. Um, but, but yes. Okay. Um, I, I just remember when he was looking at beard and says, God, y- y'all's baggage just really matches up, don't it? And, but he was so lonely in that moment and he had just found that his little boy was being taken. Mm-hmm. It was a horseback riding, I think. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Michelle and Dr. Jacob, who he still is not calling Jake and may never um, out of principle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, he's just deeply, deeply lonely and hurt. And uh, he needs a type of affection and, and comfort that this is a poor replacement for. Now, Having said that, listen, simultaneous orgasms, bravo, bravo. I mean, that, that, that <laughs> you don't, you don't make those on every corner. I'll tell you, tell you what. Um, but, um, but so he still managed to enjoy himself, which is, which is a nice sliver of, of, um, of hope there. But, uh, it, it's very, very obvious that he is searching for something by initiating this conversation. So. Um, she says, Can Ted, I, we can't just, date. I know, like, yeah, go ahead, Coach. Yes. Just, I think it's very significant that they make sure we know that Ted gets it done in the bedroom. Because Ned oh, yes. Flanders does not. No, no, no. no. Right? I, he, I, I, he does have two children, I will say. In fairness. That, okay, that's fair. But, like, I just think, like, in this sort of... I think it would have been easy to play the wrong joke here and not have him be and like even when sassy says like he talks like that the whole time like she's like yeah uh-huh. he does that don't mean i ain't bedding him down next chance i get <laughs> so if you get past the puns he's got to be getting it done and yes. i just thought like it's a very uh it was an interesting choice and in a show that we are talking about in terms of manhood and how we define manhood and who's look you know what we you know how we usually represent manhood and whatever i do think that was a specific and significant choice y- yes i think there's also something that is i won't speak for all women but i will say that i've spoken with women and an agreement we have is when it is surprisingly good is somehow even more impressive than just like if you think a guy it nobody is questioning if pedro pascal is good in bed like Mm -hmm. he just 
he gives that, you know, that. but mm-hmm. if you come across a, a Ted Lasso or a beard and you're like, oh, really? Even more intriguing. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, um, I love, I love these insights. Before we go on, I totally missed something I wanted to talk about. Um, so I'm going to just back up a tiny, tiny bit and switch mm-hmm. gears to, uh, Nathan. Oh, okay. And actually, you know what? I'm going to bring this up. No, this is the right place to bring it up. Okay. Um, when he was, when he's there alone by himself and he is trying to figure out how to beat, uh, Richmond, try to be the, how to beat Zava. We never talk about, and I don't know how important this is, but I just want to put a, put a marker on it. Um, what's Nate's last name? Shelley. And who does that remind you of? What, how, where have you ever heard that name before? Frankenstein. Yeah. Mary Shelley. Oh, Mary Shelley. Right. I didn't, I never even thought of that. Oh, I was okay. thinking of, uh, Percy, a uh, Percy, Shelley, Percy, um, Bish Shelley, the, the famous writer. Who wrote uh, Ozymandias? Do you know? Do you remember that? I do. I know the name, but yeah, I have not read Ozymandias, but yes. Um, I just want to read a line from Ozymandias. So Ozymandias is basically the 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 key part of it. It's a sonnet um, where it talks about. Uh, I'll just. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert." Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown all and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on this pedestal, these words appear, my name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. And I thought, man, Nate is at this juncture. And whatever happens when he knocks Ted off and then picks him back up, I just want to put a marker on that because I feel like that's uh, it, because it's Ted Lasso. I, I've said this since the beginning of the season. They're gonna they're gonna make they're gonna pave a, a road for Nate to come back home, um, is what I believe. Maybe it won't happen, but I think that's because it's Ted Lasso. There are no throwaways, um, and I think you know you just don't give up on people, uh, and so you know I think I think they're gonna construct that for us. But I think that key element of you know this 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 thing that happens when Nate knocks Ted over and then so- something comes over him and he picks him up and says, there you go. And that's the, whatever happens in that equation is what's going to decide whether or not Nate can ever get back. Uh, just quick point, but it's not just that Nate has Ted on his miniature uh, football pitch. It's that Ted also still has Nate on his Lego that's football right. pitch. That's so right. there is not just that Nate needs to figure out how to get back, but there is still a connection between the two of them. Yeah. And remember, uh, Henry said, can't you still be friends? So uh, also, uh, as much as you want to kill Nick Muhammad, uh, no, you don't want to kill him. Uh, you want to kill Nathan Shelley, but Nick Muhammad, what a what a phenomenal performance. Um, just Just stunning how he fills little beats with 
with tre- tremendous skill. Um, okay, so we're back to Sassy and Ted. Sassy says, no, Ted, we can't date. Ted says, why not? He's, she says, you're a mess. And which he's never been told this before. I, I, it's, I think it's hard for him to, to wrap his head around like, I know I would have a hard time with that. I think any control freak, I think you're a mess is hard, is hard to hear. Um, and he says, he's like, I'm a mess. And she's like, of course you are. And Sassy does a really good job. And I was like, oh, this might be why she's a good psychologist. She doesn't, she, she, she takes the teeth out of this, mm-hmm. th- that it's not, it's not mm-hmm. a, um, she doesn't make it a criticism. She makes it a absolute matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you are on a uh, timeline. Just like me, just like everyone who has a bad breakup. And she's like, of course you are. I'm a mess too, but I'm a mess three years further on than you. So I'm a slight disarray. And uh, Coach, what does Ted say to that? More like a slight disarray of sunshine, if you ask me. I adored that moment. I was like, (laughs) wow, Ted. Wow. Like, she, we've established her feelings. We have established her feelings about the puns. We have established that... "Mm, at the moment, dating you is not some shit that's going to go down. And you, hey, listen, you are who you are. And if a pun is sitting there, you are going to leverage that. And you don't, that's just how it is to be around Ted. I, it really made me laugh. Um, you know, it's funny because I just heard uh, something happen. In, thank you, Coach. Sorry. Uh, I, I just heard something happen in Boss's background. And we heard kids and we heard, we heard trucks, whatever, motorcycles, whatever the fuck. And I'm trying to be, I am a control freak and I like a perfect production. So when Biggie is whining and chewing bones, right? No, no, no. But listen here, this is something I'm working on. I'm going to own this. When motorcycles go by, I'm like, this podcast is a representation of who we are and who we want to put out a a professional piece of work. But I'll never forget... During the pandemic, people were doing interviews from their house. Do you remember the thing where the guy's yes. little kid came oh. in? Right? That was before the pandemic. Pro- oh, was, was it before it? the pandemic? This is oh the God. thing. Yes. No, I know exactly what you're talking about because during the pandemic, I referenced the fact. So sorry, I should set this up. There's a man giving an interview. It's on the BBC. Yeah. He is in America. He lives in the U.S. So he was in his office. And uh, behind him is a big map and the books and everything else. And then the door opens and his adorable daughter in yellow comes marching in super quick. And then a couple seconds after that, her younger brother in his like push cart type thing toddles in through the door. And then their mother crashes in through the door to grab both of them, trying to not be caught on camera and scuttle out the back. It's my favorite moment in per- because of how great it looked, but also because... At one point during the pandemic, I started myself marching into rooms. Like, I don't know why. It's just a thing that I started doing. But I would get up and walk around my apartment and march into the room. And I all of a sudden realized I was trying to be the little girl. I I was mimicking what she was doing, just marching into the door real quick. So, yes. But that was seven years ago. I Okay. I'm glad I'm glad you so I hope other people know exactly what I'm talking about because it's a very big departure for for the podcast. But I will say that I saw that and I thought the dynamic in that family is something I never want to emulate. Not that that's not that anyone's bad. Not I'm not it's not looking down their nose, but I know that the way that woman crawled in there, she thought, "Oh my god, like 
all I had to do was keep the kids out of the room. Like, how am I, you know, like, I'm just like, I could, I, he's stressed. She's, and I was like, what are we doing people? Because then later on, I think there was something, I think this was during the pandemic and there was a woman and I don't remember who it is. It's my memory is terrible, but it was a woman giving an interview and the same thing happened. Her son or daughter came in and she was like, Oh, Hey, but she just greeted him. She was so casual. She was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. You know, what are we talking about? It's a pandemic. She was so cool and so okay with it. And her normalizing it made it fine for everybody. So I just want to own that. Um, I, I apologize for dirty looks and, um, uh, mad, uh, I don't want, Bone, I don't want you to have to jump to turn off your mic. Coach, I love, I love dogs more than I love humans. So, so <laughs> I, I, I'm just admitting that, I'm, that it's a work in progress. We all have people we're aspiring to be. So, uh, folks, when you listen to this, understand that we're doing our best, but we're human and we all have limitations we're working under. And also, even though my neighborhood is like dead silent 12 hours out of the day, apparently the hour that we are recording this, I've had three cop cars go past. I don't know what the hell is going on. Okay. Getting back to Ted Lasso. Um, Ted says, what I'm getting at, uh, uh, oh no, she says, you're a mess. Um, I'm a mess too, but I'm a mess three years further on than you. So I'm a slight disarray, more like a slight disarray of sunshine, if you ask me. She says, oh God. <laughs> uh, oh God. She's already admitted that one thing she, she's not down with is, is, the, uh, is that. Ted says, sorry. Um, and Sassy says this great line. Uh, boss, will you read this? Ted, on the day my ex got remarried, I drank a bottle of red wine through a straw and told my Uber driver I was in love with him. Then, when he dropped me at home, I puked so, mu- puked so much my mouth was like the elevator from the goddamn Shining. Knocked my rating down to a 3.9. The visualization of her puking up yeah. that much red wine, yeah. number one, amazing. Yeah. Number two, uh, to go back very slightly about um, her being so matter-of-fact about him being a mess, it's also, it, she is a great therapist because acknowledging that you're a mess is the first step to actually not being a mess anymore. Even if the only thing you do is realize I'm a little bit further along than I was. Now I'm not drinking a bottle of red wine through a straw. I'm doing whatever else, but you can't work on being a mess until you acknowledge that you're a mess. I I literally just did that about noises and production. So wait, you did sassy. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Coach Castleton, and I'm a control freak. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's. Uh, I think it's great. And and Ted re- reacts to three point nine. She says, "Knock my rating down to three point nine. And I didn't know what my rating was, so I looked it up, and then Coach looked it up, and Boss looked it up. We all concurrently looked it up, and it turns out we are all fives, which is. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> I, 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 I okay. The thing about about this is like i was like how do you get to be lower than a five i was like how i didn't even try and i was a five you know like and and for sassy she's like oh god you're a five aren't you and of course you are how the fuck are you a five and i was like i love it reminded me of like being in school and like you ace a test or something and someone's like how the fuck did you ace like is a foreign like i got a 73 and i studied for eight hours you know and you're like yeah no no that's just Ted's like, I don't know. I'm tidy. I say please and thank you. Sometimes the best part is this, Coach. Sometimes I offer to drive if I look tired. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, I believe Ted. That's not that is funny, but it is not a joke. I believe that Ted would see an Uber driver and be like, "Hey, you know, you look you look pretty exhausted. You want me to handle it?" And Sassy goes to that. She says, "Oh, you're such a mess." Like, like that. That is indicative of someone. Who, and I was like, "Whoa, what?" I'm like, "What yeah, reality is Sassy living in?" Because um, he's a anyway. people pleaser. Listen, I like everybody on this podcast so much, but we're all people pleasers. He, that he's, is true. He's paying somebody to drive him from point A to point B, and when they show up, he says, oh, do you want me to do the driving? Like, he is a people pleaser. Well, I mean, but if they look tired. <laughs> 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 okay, so Ted actually looks hurt, and, and it broke my heart because he looked hurt. He looked like a little boy. When she said that again, and she's now she has been dressing, you know, putting her belt on, putting her jacket on. She's getting up. She's all she's all kitted up and she approaches the bed fully dressed. She says, Ted, I like our status. Friends with benefits like Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. I was like, oh, of course, they're going to go this do this this thing. Uh, Ted says, oh, no, no, no. I think you're thinking of 2011's other good friends turned casual lovers based rom com. And Sassy tries to figure it out, but she's got nothing because she's not. Ted Lasso, who mm-hmm. has this encyclopedic pop culture knowledge, and he says, no strings attached. Friends with Benefits was Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake. And Sassy says, what, boss? Oh, wow. 2011. Friends be fucking. <laughs> Classic sass. Um, Ted agrees. He's like, mm-hmm. Like, he's just, he's still wounded. She says, so let's keep things 2011 cool and breezy. To which Ted says, what, coach? Like an Arab Spring. What? I was like, whoa, that is dark. That's a dark reference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. A- and um, she smiles and leans in to give him a kiss. And it's it's nice that she does that. But also, he has a real hard time breaking away from that kiss because he's so craving affection and closeness. And he need- he's like desperate for it. And when she pulls away, it takes him a long time just to open his eyes. To let the moment go. Sassy taps his arm. She says, good luck against West Ham this weekend. And he raises his eyebrows like, yeah. Um, Sassy says, fuck Rupert. And that shriveled raisin pouch he calls a nutsack. Which. <laughs> classic sass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. She's, it, Ted smiles a little tiny bit. Like just a tiny bit. You know, enough enough to do the minimum reaction to because he's full of emotion and he's full of loneliness and heartache and sadness and 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 the, and uh he's in that thing where you can feel the imminent absence about to happen and but you also can't stop it you know or you're just like I'm about to be alone and ugh, ugh, it's just hard so we hear the door close behind her and we hear the music pick up and we cut to sassy outside and I thought this is a little an interesting little button. What happens outside, uh, boss? Uh, she asks if the Uber driver is there for flow. She opens the door and clearly tries to get the rating up by saying, Ooh, this is so nice. Great seats. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Now she wants the five. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. And I will okay. say uh, one of the things that Sassy might be missing here is that Ted is so desperate for affection and more of a commitment and more of a relationship. She is not wrong that she can't give it to him. 
And also, he might not actually need that right now. But the fact that he wants it so badly and she's half in is a not going to be good. Like, she needs to realize that he needs somebody all the way out, actually. He needs to work on being him, being alone, figuring his shit out, and she should not be trying to hook up with him. Mm. That, that, yeah, that, I mean, that, that is, you make a good case and you're not, ne- you're not wrong. Um, but, you know, th- when people get in this, in a rut like this, it's not even, it can be a yes and, you know, it's like, okay, like if he gets a certain percentage from Sassy and then someone gives him a puppy or something, you know what I mean? Like that can be enough to get him through, you know, like it doesn't necessarily have to be sex or the affection can come from, you know, donating your time at a shelter or, you know, there, there are these things you can do where you're like, okay, I have nothing left to feel like an empty vet of empty tank. Uh, maybe I can just try to like, to, to take action, you know, like to remove the doubt kind of thing. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I hadn't thought and pieced these together. I'll try to be quick with it. But Ted, pretty much since um, Tan Lines, pretty much since, you know, they are breaking up, Ted's desire to create connection has been continually hit. Like that is a note that we have been continually hitting. So, Immediately when he leaves, Beard shows up. They do their little clink glasses, mm-hmm. cheers thing to connect. The next morning, he wants to give everybody on the coaching staff pet names. Yep. Um, when he has his breakthrough with Dr. Sharon, he asks if it's legal to get a hug. Um, I mean, I'm sort of like scanning through the series now just in my head and I'll, you know, and move on. But I, I do think you're, the theory around Ted really is aching for that. And I think. Interestingly, what was he jealous of in the restaurant? It wasn't Dr. Jake is having sex with my wife, which maybe, but it was horseback riding. riding. You know what I mean? It was they are doing a thing together and I miss being a part of that. Um, So anyway, I think there's 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 something there, coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people want to belong. And and mm-hmm. where does Ted belong right now? Yeah, with his team or whatever. But on an emotional level and on a personal level, um, you know, a lot of people pair up and head out, and and that it's not quite the same with Sassy. As great as she can be, yeah, um, it's not it's not necessarily uh, hitting every single uh, chord that he needs at that. Point. I mean, what's worse than being sad? Being sad and being alone. Being sad and alone. Yeah. There you go. Great callback. Um, so. She gets into the Uber outside, uh, and then Nathan drives by past her and is Aston Martin. Um, and I'm like, does he still live in the neighborhood? Like, what what is he doing out there? I was like, God, that's weird. But okay. And over in his radio, as he drives past, um, we get this tracking shot. So we're on Sassy. We we turn left, and and you know, it's just like a steady cam shot. Nathan goes by and we hear the audio in his car as he goes by. This is a real opportunity for the wonder kid to become the wonder man. Um, and dumb. then very dumb, very dumb joke. Don't care for it. There's already a wonder woman. We don't need a wonder man. <laughs> so you're not going to write the wonder man fan fiction is what you're saying? No, absolutely not. not. Okay. All right, cool. Um, uh, he actually said Wonderkind. I'm, I'm pretty sure he said that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't. <laughs> Wunder. No, you, you didn't. You didn't. He did not. Um, um, okay. So Nate vanishes out of frame left, and we push into Roy and Jamie in the park, where 
you know, Ted was playing with uh, Shannon, playing ball there, that park where um, he said hi to Beard's real life little kid, like that park mm-hmm. where a lot of stuff happens. Uh, very quickly, Beard's real life partner and mother to the kid he was playing with is named Shannon. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Well, well, how about that? They do not waste a name on this show. No. No, That's it's very cool. Keely. Bex's real name is Keely. Um, right? There's all these mm-hmm. interesting little okay. And then Rupert, of course, as Anthony has played eleven Ruperts, we said in another episode. So yeah. Um okay, Jane, so Jane's Roy, real name is uh Phoebe. You know what? I will say this. Oh. This is oh oh yeah, yeah, right. Phoebe, yes. Um here is something that um I never thought uh, I, uh, we got to move on. Jesus Christ. But between this and Game of Thrones, like the name Jamie is so, um, it's such an, I've always thought, like I knew a couple of Jamies growing up and they're all these, they're just kind of, it's like sort of a, I don't know, like I never knew anybody memorable named Jamie, if that makes any sense. There's just like, a, there's a bunch of Jamies. I think like if they wanted to be member, or they came from families where they were trying to be, they would stick with James. Or or something or some it was like Jamie would be the one it was like oh that's the hmm. I don't know there'd be Jimmy there'd be Jim I don't know whatever but like the Jamies I knew and then you get this in Game of Thrones and then all of a sudden you have like two Jamies that are like really like Very I never memorable. thought I would say that. yeah I'm like I never thought I'd say the name Jamie hmm. so so much <laughs> you know and I say it with I say it in this show with like reverence I'm mm-hmm. like I love I love Jamie Tart so much and I'm like I can't believe his name is Jamie anyway um, okay. So Roy is sitting on a bench. He's drinking and eating while Jamie does the squat thrust with the push up at the bottom, which is murder if, if you've if you've ever done them. I um, have. And, oh God! What do they call? They call them. They don't call it suicide. What's the? There's another name for them. I call he, them. He I, wasn't doing burpees though on that one, was he? I mean that because it was, but it was that vibe. That was the vibe yeah, yeah, of what he was right, doing. Right, burpees. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the term I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. So um, Jamie is gagging. And Roy says, why do you only sleep with a top on? And Jamie says, because I get cold upstairs and hot downstairs. <laughs> Which is a really funny way to answer that. Uh, and Roy nods and he goes, I get that. <laughs> he gets cold upstairs and hot downstairs. Yeah. I was like, that is fan- a fantastic way to answer that question. Why do you only sleep with a top on? Listen, dare I say that's a bonding type of question between mm-hmm. pals oh, and yeah. an honest and an honest answer to your drill sergeant. I'm just like, there's a lot to love about this dynamic here. Uh, and Roy goes, I get that. And then Jamie barfs. He just fucking upchucks yep. right there in yep. the park as a woman walks by and Roy waves to this woman, you know, passerby walking her dog. And what does he say, coach? Morning. Yeah. Morning. So, so. I don't, I mean, I'm guessing you both have done sports at some point, but I've, I've been the athlete in this. Like I've been the person who's like, all right, I got to run to a garbage can now. And that workout, like, I don't know. There was some, I, 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 it was gross to see, but there was something about like, oh, Roy's not like, this isn't just like a device. Like Roy is seriously like, I can get you better than Zava, but you're going to be puking at six o'clock in the morning. Like that's, yeah. that's the trade-off. Are you yes. willing to do that? And I, I yeah. Anyway, I, I, I bought this moment. 
I really bought it. And, and not that Jamie hasn't been working out his entire career, but this feels like back to middle school, high school, early on, you are doing the rough training that is pushing you harder than mm-hmm. you've ever been pushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, or, in order to train you the right way, I'm going to have to break down yeah. all of your yeah. bad habits and bring you back to square one and then build you back mm-hmm. up. It feels like that. Yeah. So um, we cut to uh, KJPR now. Um, Rebecca says she's just dishing with Keely. She's in Keely's office. Oh, listen to what Rupert said in this one. I truly look forward to seeing my old club again. Richmond, our top class. She shows the phone to Keely, who's at her desk. And I said this last episode, Keely just does what you need her to do. Mm-hmm. And she goes, right. And right now, all she needs to do is sometimes you need to listen. And, you know, oh, girl talk. Sometimes it's girl. Listen, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm being Ted right mm-hmm. now. But mm-hmm. she's what she Keely needs to do for Rebecca is is just fucking join her in a bit in a fucking complain fest. And she goes, what a soggy wet piece of shit. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And Rebecca goes, thank you. Because that's what Rebecca needed. Mm-hmm. Um, now Shandy walks in, no knock. And what does she say, boss? Right. I'm off to the training ground. Thanks again for the opportunity. I was impressed that she thanked her. I was like, oh, okay. How about that? That's 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 atypical for sh- for her to have even mm. like a remote shred of like uh pub, you know sort of um decorum or 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 you know appropriate um uh, uh to the conversation sort of sort of instinct. I was like, oh okay, like pretty good, Shandy. She's wearing a yellow blazer, white blouse, and black leather pants. I, she looks great. I thought. Um, Keely says, "Babe, you earned it." And Shandy waves at Rebecca, who smiles back but doesn't wave back. And Keely says, Shandy came up with this super fun banter promo. Uh, it uses all the single players on the team. And Shandy says, yeah, the anonymous man you're bantering with could be a professional footballer. And she winks a huge, overbrought wink at Rebecca, like a big, exaggerated wink. And Rebecca says, oh, that's great. And that's all the single players, you say? Uh, so, like, Colin and Danny and Sam, etc. Uh, it's really cute. Very mm-hmm. casual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what what uh, what does uh, Shandy say to that boss? Yeah. Although I don't think Sam's doing it anymore. Mm. Which is nice. And Keely, which probably means Sam's that. doing it again. But with Simi now. Oh, oh. yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it either means Sam is. Not online date, not app dating because he's still hung up on Rebecca, mm. or he's so That's far true. past Rebecca that he has moved on to dating other people. It's probably Rebecca seems relieved to hear that at least she's not, at least uh, Sam is not on banter. So because yes. Keely shakes her head no, Rebecca nods and she's mm, so fun. So now Barbara enters and she clears her throat. <clears throat> Miss Jones, she refuses to call Keely Keely. Um. Keely jumps out of her seat like the meerkat dude did. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. She jumps up. Hello, Barbara. And she jumps out of her chair. So maybe Barbara has that presence. I don't know. But anyway, that's I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? Um, Shandy walks out right past Barbara. She goes, all right there, Babs. And Barbara goes, it's Barbara. I was like, (laughs) I was like, I listen. You know, I think I think uh, Shandy is the spirit of of mischief and chaos, and and having her there is like opening Pandora's box. But she's growing on me. Between yeah, 
I did. Um, <laughs> and this, yes. all right there, yeah. Babs. All right there, mm-hmm. Babs. I'm like, oh, she is like, and don't be a dick. Show some love on socials. I'm like, Jesus, motherfucking. She is like, you know, sometimes it's great to have a, 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 you know, an operative like, like Shandy, where you just go, listen, go up there and get the, get the, the king of Sweden's email address for me. And she's like, all right, be right back. (laughs) Oh my God. Holy shit. She's going to do it. Um, Okay. So Barbara says, uh, if possible, could I get two tickets uh, for the Rich- Richmond-West Ham uh, match? Jack might be coming to London this weekend. And, of course, Keely is fired up about it. She's like, oh, finally. She's telling me a little bit about her personal life. This is like a first mm-hmm. time we've ever bonded. Mm-hmm. She's like, of course. And Keely's excited. Who's Jack? Like, she's ready. She, like, does a little bounce. She's so excited. And she smiles at Rebecca conspiratorially. Rebecca smiles. And Barbara says, what, coach? Jack Danvers, yeah, Jack Danvers, Danvers, and sorry, Keely Waits, yeah, Keely, Keely Waits, because she doesn't. Jack Danvers, uh, nothing, no, zip. The head of the VC that funded your company, our boss, right? And Keely takes a section. Oh yeah, oh that Jack, yes, of course, okay. And then there's a really strange cut. I couldn't figure out. I'm like, oh, is this like, was there more on this going on in this scene? It just felt like a weird cut. Mm. Um, Rebecca jumps in and she's like, that's not a problem, Barbara. I can like, it it may not have been anything, but I was like, oh, the dialogue didn't line up. You know, Brett Goldstein, he's just not a very talented writer. That's funny. And so. (laughs) That's funny. You know, I just, I just. It's funny. You may be right. And I would have to watch the scene again. In real time, my experience of it was. This was like Keely not knowing where the CFO is and Rebecca kind of coming to the rescue to, you know, not have Keely yes. get embarrassed by the fact that she doesn't know the name of the VC. Um, I will tell you that I was uh, ripping and running. Uh, I had a job at Jersey Films as an assistant this way back. And, you know, I'm like here you know calls are coming i'm going i'm is going that, i'm going is that danny devito's company well it's funny you should say that because i'm going <laughs> and going and going and somebody asked my boss who was his partner and and i go cuz i've been just like battered by this person who was my boss and i'm like i got to get the name i got to get the first name the last name like i remember i took a first name once and the guy acted like i had you know destroyed all of hollywood so i'm like oh may i ask who's calling please and the person said danny and i'm moving and i go may i have a last name please at which point he says <laughs> devito <laughs> and i was like right oh i right. will yes. be right back and yeah so we got the boss but yes i Working at Jersey Films asked Danny DeVito for his last name. So there you go. It happens. I mean, I was just scared of my boss. Yeah, he was he was a lunatic. I'm not going to say his name because I'm not going to say his name, but he was a lunatic. And I just was not going to go to him and say a first name ever again. See, now I'm just going to Castleton is Googling the name right now. No, you're not. not. Oh, I thought you were. Uh, nope. It's I, it's Dennis Reynolds. That's funny. That's it's not. Funny. No. It's a character from Always Sunny. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, fine. I know Dennis. Yeah, oh, you know Dennis. Great. Yeah, I haven't watched the entire series, but yeah, I've watched. I've watched. I've certainly watched enough Sunny to uh, know that one. Yeah. 
But at any rate, yeah, Danny, there you go. So I feel I feel for you, Keely. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I got to tell my Danny DeVito story. This is oh, a true story. I, I just I just moved to LA, mm-hmm. and this is not much of a Danny DeVito story, as you will as you will come to find. So I went down to the um, I went down to Third Street Promenade to go to see a movie. I was supposed to meet a friend there, and he was running late. And I forget what the I forget what the movie was. This is years. This is thirty years ago or whatever. This is a long time ago. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm trying to remember all the all the elements of it. But it was just a lot of people milling around. And this is back. They had like the cordoned off velvet rope things. They wouldn't, you know, there were certain shows, and you wait for the show to start. And, you know, they hadn't let people in to go sit mm-hmm. yet. Um, it wasn't like a, a theater that had a uh, seating or anything. And I see uh, David E. Kelly go by, hmm. who was just coming off Ally McBeal, and is a famous director, notable hair, so you can kind of whatever. And he goes in. And then I'm just kind of by myself waiting for my friend to show up. Um, and I will say that I have a, I'm a short man, uh, short stature, stocky, like a fire plug, uh, built a lot like um, the aforementioned Danny DeVito. So... I see this woman come in, baseball hat down, real, real, pull sunglasses, real, real, uh, sort of hiding kind of person. And I see her go up to one of the guys uh, that worked at the theater, and she goes, "Can I get in there? I'm Michelle Pfeiffer." And like nobody heard this. It was, it was I just happened to be near enough? And he's like, "Oh my god!" Like, oh, you know, it's like some kid working at the, you know the railing at the. He like, moves the velvet rope, and she goes in. And as she's walking through there, I walk up to the guy right behind her and I go, can I get in there? I'm Danny DeVito. (laughs) Did you really? I swear to God. And she turned around and laughed. She laughed so hard. She was like, "Ah, that is great. That's funny. Yeah. So that that was it. I made made Michelle Pfeiffer laugh. He's like, get the fuck out. Like he swore at me. He was like, fuck. You know? (laughs) God, all right, I thought it was great. Um, okay, so um, all right, uh, we are. Um, uh, Rebecca is bailing out Keely. That's not a problem, Barbara. I can let you have some seats in my suite. Uh, now Barbara lights up, huge smiles, and I'm going, okay, what is the dynamic here? Barbara is tickled by by Rebecca, and is real grumpy around Keely. So she's a she's a down puncher. She's a yeah, she is right. Is that what it yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. She smiles up and punches that. I mean, that's the that's the vibe I get. I hmm. think that there might also be something about Barbara feeling like Keely was the recipient of an investment in order to build her business, whereas Rebecca has somehow earned her business. I don't think it's only. The whose mm. job is more important. Mm. I think that she, especially because she works with Keely and she knows that Keely doesn't know what a CFO is. Like, I think that she imagines Rebecca is more in charge of her business, more responsible for the decisions, more of a boss at her place than Keely is a boss at her place. We should have coach talk to Babs because clearly yeah. he doesn't feel that way. Mm. Not like Babs. Um, Katie Nix is doing a great job with with Babs. Um, and also, I thought it was that she was reflecting. I think she thinks Keely's a ditz and Rebecca is a made woman. Like Rebecca's a, she gets it. Rebecca gets it. Keely doesn't. Keely's an airhead, and Rebecca is appropriate and understands the rules of whatever. 
polite society, whatever the hell it is. Well, this is going to become more apparent as we get through deeper into the episode. So, um, uh, she says, Oh, uh, lovely. Thank you, Rebecca. That's so kind of you and so efficient, which, you know, efficiency is an yes. important thing to Babs. And she turns back to Keely, smile vanishes, and she goes, Keely, and walks out. Keely <laughs> says, Thanks, Barbara. But she looks distraught. Hey. That's it. That's all we get. A small victory is that she referred to Keely as Keely and not Ms. Jones. Ooh. Yeah. No, nice good call. point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now we cut to Beard and Roy. They're on the whiteboard in the office. One on each side. Beard on the left, Roy on the right. Beard says, so the one thing we can't do against West Ham is the false nine. And Roy says, that's Nate's shit. And then we cut and we see, okay, they're pitching to Higgins, of all people. Okay. So Beard says, exactly. So we decided to go with the, with our classic 4-4-2, which is exactly what that prick expects us to do, Roy says. And he's moving the things around as they're talking. And Beard says, so we do the opposite. Five up front, full on attack. And Higgins is like, uh, he's about to say something. And Beard is ahead of him and goes, but Nate knows we're going to do that because Nate knows that we're trying to outthink him by thinking like him. And then Roy says, what, coach? Well, fuck Nate, fuck thinking, and fuck fucking Socrates. Socrates? Famously the inventor of thinking, Socrates. Phenomenal. fucking Socrates. Phenomenal. It's like uh, in um, Fish Called Wanda where where, where John (laughs) Cleese goes, my God, you are a true Vulgarian, aren't you? You know, Mm -hmm. you're the Vulgarian, you fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I... I will never bore of that joke construction, by the way. No. It shows up in in a lot of places, and it always kills me. Always. No, it's always great. Fuck fucking Socrates is uh, poetry. So this is a a hell of a a line, and I can't even tell you how many times I had to listen to this to make sure I got it right, because we are in the – we are in the before times working with uh, press – press uh, copies and we don't have uh, closed captions. So I, I, I had to listen to this like a hundred times. Beard says, so we got to stop thinking like Nate and start thinking like Nate would think we would think if Nate were thinking like us and then do the last thing that Nate thinking like us, thinking like Nate, thinking like us would ever expect us to do. And Roy flips the board and Beard says, have Zava drop back and play Nate's false nine. And Roy goes, blah, fucking la. And Higgins says, brilliant. And they're just beaming. And Roy says, ah, it's mostly Beard's idea. And Beard goes, group effort. And Higgins says, I do have one question. Uh, And this is so funny. Beard says, of course. And Roy says, what, coach? Who fucking cares? Who fucking cares is what he (laughs) says to Higgins about. I do have one question. Who fucking cares? And Higgins says, do you think Zava will do it? Yeah. They have this moment, and boss, what happens? Uh, Beard looks at the board, realizing the truth to Higgins' statement. Higgins kind of raises his eyebrows, smiling, wondering what the answer is going to be. And Roy punches the board, shouting, fuck! Yep. Yeah. Just just crushes it. Just done. There are a couple things here. There are a couple of things here I think are worth noting. One is the way Beard and Roy are working together does speak to the connection that we've been continually establishing between the two of them. But it also mm-hmm. speaks to the lasso way. 
Nate, when he introduced the false nine, made it clear to everybody there that I'm a genius. I'm sick of Ted taking credit. And remember, Roy said that's the job. And then uh, Beard told him the whole thing about trees and how they share resources and they're actually not competing and all of that. And this is the height of it. I mean, it, it, in in the category of it doesn't matter. Yes. You can accomplish anything if it doesn't matter who gets the credit. They're literally like, no, it was you. No, it was you. Yes. Um, which yeah. I, so I think that all matters a ton. The other piece is I get that Zava is Zava. Zava is Jordan. Zava is Gretzky. Zava, right? But at some point, you have to be able to 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 have a conversation where you say, "We want to approach this game this way." Like at some point, they've got to coach this guy a little bit. I'm not saying yes. that you're going to make him do like dribbling skills, but like at some point, they have to be able to coach the team, which is what Ted said in the first place. Yeah. But now they are not. To me, this has crossed over from. Like just watching it as a coach, this has crossed over from ha 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 ha. This guy is, you know, such a star. They don't know what to do with them to like, this is borderline negligence. Yes. If you know the best way to play this thing, then you got to figure out how to sell it to Zava. Yes. So punching the board wasn't good enough for me. (laughs) No, really. Like I was like, I hear you, Roy, but what's going on here? Then you have to go back to that board and figure out how to put Zava, how to move Zava into a place that will actually benefit the whole team. Right. Well, not even controlling him, but just can. not letting him control the rest of the team by deciding he's not going to listen to people. Because they can't do what it's, he can it's do. It's not even. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think it's less like, uh, yeah, you're not going to convince Zava of a fucking thing. You're, it's not, that's not happening. Um, but you do need like to be the, able to get, if not convince him, at least rope him one way or another into doing what you need him to do. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to do that either. I just like it doesn't. Yeah, no, I think if you can trick him into doing what yeah. you want and make it think it's his idea, that's mm-hmm. the closest you're going to mm-hmm. get. But mm-hmm. I don't think they have anybody on the. So I just think that whatever their skill sets are, I do like the 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 budding sort of coaching friendship between. Roy and Beard. And interestingly, later in the episode, we hear Roy say Beard for the first time. I'm like, do we ever hear him say Beard? Oh. Mm. Yeah. Like, I just never. So that we're coming to that. Um, but okay. Coach is also saying he likes the, oh, you know, you know, we all, yeah, it wasn't my idea. We share the thing, all, all the trees um, analogy. Uh, but it's also cleverly a setup for punchlines that come right after that. So mm. Roy punches the board. Yells fuck. Standard Roy can't fuck. Ted goes, good morning, as he walks in. He sees the board on the floor. He goes, uh-oh, what's wrong? And right away, everyone <laughs> devolves into yeah. childish, literal finger-pointing. Yeah. Roy doesn't think we can beat Nate. Higgins doesn't think so either. Beard said it to me first. And Beard's like, you throwing me under the bus? <laughs> uh, like, to hit Higgins. And they all erupt in yes. childish, which is obviously played you know, that way intentionally, but it was just great. Um, I loved it. I loved it. I love, love that kind of uh, payoff. Um, Ted goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Y'all, y'all point more fingers than, okay. I don't even know. I think he, I think he says Ganesha, which is the, um, 
<laughs> many armed Hindu god. Yes. Um, and and um, y'all point fingers uh, more fingers than Ganesha, giving directions. Oh, okay. Uh, now look, you fellas need to calm down and just kiss. Yes. And coach, did did you know what he was saying when he said that? I, I it was a beat, so I heard it and I went, "What?" And then I, yeah, then I was, then I, I, I got there. Yep. And what do you know, kiss to to stand for? Keep it simple, stupid. Right. Yes, that's what I know yes. too. Keep it yes. simple, stupid. I did notice this. Yep. And then so Higgins is unsure. He's thinking, "Oh fuck, I gotta kiss these guys now." Is this the last <laughs> I went? You see, like Higgins, it all, you know, a nice little callback to you know, like how do you keep. How do you convince Jamie? Oh, he blowjobs. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, huh? Hmm. Okay. How, how much um, sexual tension is this locker room running on? Right. Right. Exactly. Um, uh, Beard says he's right, and Ted says, "What, coach? Keep it simple, smarty pants." Which I think is funny because not long ago we uh, had Phoebe ask for permission to say a bad word. And 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 Ted skips said bad word as a full grown adult of mm-hmm. stupid. So I I, I did kind of chuckle at that. That like even that is beyond what he wants to be saying to people. Yeah. Okay. He says an answer will show up. Don't worry. And I thought, oh, that is. What is that Buddhist as fuck? I was like, what is yeah. that? Like that is a that is some trust the universe uh, quantum mechanics. Bullshit. I mean, I Somebody mean, else trusted the universe in this season. Made it very clear. Ke- Who was that? Keely. Keely. With the CFO. The CFO. Oh, oh, she oh, would find oh, yeah. out what the CFO Good. was. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Great call. That's interesting. Uh, no, no. I'm I'm calling it in mockery because I hate that. I don't think you should just <laughs> fucking passively trust the universe. I think it's craziness. Right. So um, I don't think that I'm not, a, shockingly, not a fan of just blindly trusting the universe to take care of all the things you needed to do. However, I will say the... Uh, Earlier when Beard was saying, so we need Nate, we need to think about what Nate would do so that we could do what Nate wouldn't have us do because we, it sort of reminded me of um, Ian Fleming talking about uh, writing the James Bond novels because he did that while he was working as a spy. And I'm saying spy very lightly. It During the Cold War, there was so much shit that happened that sometimes the agents didn't mean to, but they would accidentally create misinformation. And pass along to other spies because they thought like, oh, well, if I'm a spy and I'm thinking this way, then I'm sure that they're going to be thinking this way. So I need to tell them this thing so that they'll tell that. And then by the end of it, they weren't doing anything. They were telling each other lies and making up stories. And then he turned that into a novel that became one of the most successful film franchises in all of human history. Because people kept overthinking shit so much that they couldn't figure out what their stories were. So it's not a just trust in the universe. It's a what do you need to do to get your team to win? Fuck strategy and tactics. Like, what is the best outcome for your team? And that's what you do. That makes a ton of sense. And I guess I'll add to that. Well, this is a coaching thing for me, so I don't know how it plays in, but I, I feel like it belongs here. Coach knows I, you know, I'm 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 obsessive about defense specifically. Like I'll have little kids, and they still can run like ten different defenses depending on what I tell them to do. And 
And it's because it's, it is crazy to watch. It is, it is borderline troubling. <laughs> uh, how, the way that well, the way that this man starts to unravel offenses and and uh, you know a, a good offense will will enforce its will on a on a defense, mm-hmm. and he will be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I will take away everything you want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So I. So I. Right here, in terms of their coaching, I was like, the one thing we haven't really seen them do is figure out how to be what I would call in in, in American football multiple. And mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. love that. I love, you know, if I could play this formation or if you come with that, then I can play this formation. And having the players who I can move around that way. So they might not be classically good for whatever position it is, but I like them because... I can put them different places to do the different things I want to do. So anyway, I found myself with them at this point going, you sound very limited to me. That's the mo- that like on a yes. strategy front. I was like, you sound super limited that, you know, everything you've thought of Nate is already there. Now you're just sort of like guessing what he'll guess so that you can outguess him. Like you're saying. So yeah, yeah. that's not a- strategy. That's advanced reaction. Yeah. 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 But but wait, in all fairness, they can play false nines. They can play four four twos. They can play uh, four, five, four five ones. They, they can mix it up. The problem that's the, the limiting factor is, is they have a fucking superstar who's going to be like, no. Yeah. Well, those those are just constructs. I'll be up front. And if he goes up front, then it's you have a whole, a you're, it's, a, it's an odd man advantage and that's it. It's over. I, I, I know this is really... It's really, really hard when you don't follow. But if you watch soccer and they move the ball back and forth and you go, what the fuck? Like, uh, you know, like the Spaniards do it really well. They just like tick-a-tack-a this little philosophy of ball control. And they move it back one side. No, nope. now they move it up the side a little bit. No, nope. move it back. Mm. And they're looking for odd man advantages. They are looking for through balls where you have two guys on one guy. That's all it is. It's real simple. Mm. It's no different, Coach, than when you put – um Okay, I'm gonna have the tight end pull, and out of nowhere, he's gonna blindside a linebacker that right. doesn't see it coming. And, uh, and now there's a hole, and and it comes up to now you're instead of that rangy middle linebacker being able to run with your running back, mm-hmm. now you have your beast of a running back coming through on a corner safety or a free or safety. And it's yeah. like you know what, like mm-hmm. I think he can win that one on one. So. Unfortunately, it is it is a very simple game when it, when you come down to it. So if Zava refuses to be part of a formation, and it creates any good Premier League team will take advantage of that immediately, and that's it. Especially a team as good as West Ham and a team that's got good coaching. Mm-hmm. And I still struggle to that Nate is is Pep Guardiola, you know, like or, or yeah, you know, you're in club or something. I'm like, how is this guy? You know what I mean? I think about Coach saying, "Hey, your best thing was crumpled up in your pocket, Nate." Like, you know, and I'm like, "This guy was—I can't believe he's like the most brilliant tactician in the Premier League." But okay, I guess we have to we have to go with that. But anyway, um, uh, keep a simple, smarty pants. An answer will show up. Don't worry. But until it does, here's a question for y'all: Am I a mess? And it's funny because Roy <laughs> was not ready for this pivot. He opens his arm. He's like, "What? What the fuck?" Mm-hmm. And Ted says, Sassy ended up spending the night last night. Ooh. Oh, hush your butts. That ain't the headline. <laughs> I actually like that line. 
Yes. I don't like Hush Your Butts, but I like That Ain't the Headline. Ain't, yes. I was mm-hmm, like, oh, that's mm-hmm. funny. Um, I asked her out on a proper date this morning, and she turned me down cold. She said, and I quote, I'm a mess. So I have a question. And wait, oh, wait, sorry, now the, the book end of that is instead of they, they, at first they go, ooh, and now they all go, ooh, like, yeah, yeah, ouch, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, go ahead, coach. So, and and this is super simplified, but it feels a bit like a gender reversal of what we would see in a lot of romantic comedies. Like this, like, hey, what's wrong with us just sleeping together indefinitely? Why we got to get all serious? I feel like yes. that whole thing, would, including the like getting dressed and leaving, you know, to lay there in the bed and think about it. Um, yeah, so I just, it's, there's something, I feel like they're doing something interesting there with what you would, ex- who you would expect to be gung-ho about commitment and who you would expect to be saying, oh, no, let's just, you know, live our lives and sow our oats. Yeah, no, that is, that, that is a good, uh, twist. Um, okay, uh, they all say, ooh, and Teddy goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he, he felt that, and so that's affirmation for him in the same way. Um, what a sloppy, what did she, what did Keely say, uh, about Rupert? What a sloppy, wet, something like that. Shit. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, that's the, the same way that that's what Rebecca needed. This is actually what what they need. Oh yeah. 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 He felt that. And yeah. Um, and now, uh, boss, what happens from here? So after that, uh, Hagen says, it sounds like a case for the diamond dogs. And they all start doing their different hound noises, the different diamond dogs. Beard shouts, release the hounds. Ted says, oh, yeah, here we go. Let's do it. And he pounds on his desk and they're all barking. And Roy shouts, fuck's sake. And he leaves and closes the door. I I don't blame him. I I like the diamond dogs. And this was like, first of all, I'd never seen Ted pound anything. Yeah, this was a lot. He taps taps the bottom of his beer, you know, the tap and the drink. He, but but I've never seen, he, he hammered that desk three bam 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 like let's do this and and then everybody acted like a fucking maniac it was like Lord of the Flies in there I was like settle the fuck like I was Roy Kent I'm like Jesus H um Roy goes, fuck's sake compared to the first time when Roy actually was involved in the Diamond Dogs Ted gets his phone out and texts everybody and they very quietly and quickly assemble. Even to the point where Beard comes in and does that sort of like half spin into his chair, puts his feet up on the desk. Like it was much cooler in the first season. And now it's a lot of too many noises. It's a lot. It's it's a lot. Uh, it, it wasn't bad. It was just a lot. It's a choice. And um, it's funny because mm-hmm. there's, uh, I don't know if you guys watch Dairy Girls. Do you ever watch Dairy Girls? Mm-mm. Oh, oh. That show is yes. brilliant. I've watched it. From beginning to end, it's yes. so goddamn good. Ha- totally anyway, agree. Go on, Hard go agree. Um, but I did notice when they came back for the season three, their final season, somebody coached the girls up to like give the biggest like response, like huge facial expression. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like the, it was like definitely a choice. Um, and I felt like okay, this is um, this is that kind of thing. But they did pay it off with. They they're all howling and like crazy and and Beard's ass hits the chair and his desk. He kicks his feet up and then he goes yes, like like instantly. And I was like, oh, that's funny. And Ted goes, yeah, yes, what? And Beard says, yes, you're a mess. And Ted, to his credit, goes, okay, 
expound? Last time we heard that was when he was told that he ruined Jamie, by the way. Or I, I think that was the yes. last time. I, I think that sounds right. When when uh, Roy was barking at Ted, right? At yes. that time? And he yeah, says, when Roy was telling him, him you, you ruined him. Right? Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, Ted's Ted's eating a lot of shit. <laughs> and but hey, but he takes he takes yes. his feedback though. I mean, seriously, as that as that's a thing, he does take his feedback. Yeah, so. you got to respect it. Um, Beard says we're playing Nate this week, and you're acting like it's not a big deal, uh, like nothing's different. He like he didn't hurt you. And Ted shakes his head. This is funny because in the same way when they were talking about. Uh, the game, and then Ted turns it into, am I a mess? And Roy was like, what the fuck? Ted was not expecting this turn, and he put, and he's like, ah, he shakes his head, exhales, and he, 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 you know, he's like, hey, look, we're talking, we ain't talking about Nate right now. Uh, I'm asking if you think I'm a mess, all right? And Beard makes a face, and he says, hey, Pop, what do you think? And what does he say, Coach? I think I don't understand how you're not pissed off with Nate. And and then uh, Ted growled. Like, he's like, Ugh. like, like, it's as close to Roy as you're going to find Ted. Because, like, this is funny because he just doesn't want to be pressed in this area. You know? Yes. Like. But it speaks to his messness. What I love about this is he is exhibiting in this and he on some <laughs> level goddamn well knows it like it's 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 pain it's extra painful because he's like that's not fair i wanted to talk about all the ways i'm not a mess and now everyone's actually confirming that i am indeed yes. a mess how am i supposed to show i'm not a mess when you keep talking about nate yeah yes yeah right yeah i didn't want to talk about nate i want to talk about what a mess i am is kind of like saying I didn't want to talk to you about my alcoholism. I just wanted to talk about my breakup. It's like, well, hold on, because like there's a lot of shit going on that we <laughs> right? need to dive right? into. And, 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 and I'm not convinced that the alcoholism didn't impact the breakup. Oh, yeah. Hello. You know what I mean? Or, like that, you know, or like, the other well, way. Fuck. Like what whatever it was that he thought they were gonna be talking about. Right. When presented right. with this, that yes, absolutely. And you know, there's you know, there's more later on who's angry with Nate and how that all plays out, and we can deal with it then. But I do think it's deeply important. This is this is another version of Ted saying, I'm gonna start Roy anyway, yes. or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, well, hold on now. And I'm usually I go I give the certainly the longest leash, right, with this stuff. But I'm like, no, 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 no. If that guy walked out on us and is now coaching our rival. Pretty much every statement I made would end with, and that's why Nate thinks he's going to kick your ass on Friday or Saturday. <clears throat> Excuse me, or Saturday. Like, it would be everything. If anybody stopped short on a drill, I'd be like, you know who finishes through the line? West yep. fucking ham. Everything would be. I swear, if somebody came out a second late, I was like, you know where they're probably not late at practice right now, at training. West Ham. Like that would, it be, would be the motivation. Yeah. Yeah, and and so to me, it really shows how much of a mess you are, Ted. Because there's this, frankly, 
resource in front of you that you could be leveraging. And because you can't process your actual anger with Nate, you don't know how to handle it, release it, manipulate it to help the team. Like, that's actually what's happening here. Because, yeah, they should want to rip Nate's head off. And I would be encouraging that behavior. Like, I would just all week long. Yeah, but, but his coach would be up. His quotes would be up. All this shit. Because they're not 21st. I'm like, we are in fourth right now. He said you were going to be 20th because there were only 20 teams. Yeah, but. So you think about that shit. Coach. <laughs> I love this. I wish everyone could see Coach right now. He's fired up. I love when he gets like this. Coach, here's the thing. You have learned how to condense your rage and use it as a tool. And you have mm-hmm. – you uh, while you have a love of the game similar to Ted, you really care about wins and losses. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. T- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie about that. <laughs> Ted, Ted is more. It takes a more holistic approach and try to build the best human beings, and and he believes that that mm-hmm. is the, the way. And and he is completely out of touch. I mean, disconnected in a in a psych psychological like uh, uh, clinical way from his anger. Well, I mean, Henry had to tell him, like, but you got to try, right? I mean, like, when your child is kind of reminding you that you have a job to do, like, that's probably not a great sign. Yeah. Like, why is your kid telling you, like, but you have to try to win? Like, yes, all this other stuff is true, but it's in the it's true in the context of trying to win. Um, And and we're going to allude to this a little bit more later. Um. Uh, Ted growls and drops his head, and now we have one of the best lines uh, of the episode, if not the best. Um, what does uh, what does Beard say now, boss? We have a saying in Codependence Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he starts, and and Ted goes, e- "You what?" Like he just totally is like, "What?" Uh, Jane makes me go with her. Oh my god! The, I had to yeah. pause. I paused it. It's I like had a slow I clap. Was like, wow. We have a saying, Codependence wow. Anonymous. You what? Uh, Jane Jesus. makes me go with her. Uh-huh. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. And Ted and Higgins share a nod like, oh, okay, yep. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that checks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beard says, pain is mm-hmm. like carbon monoxide. Expressing it to the person who hurt you is like opening a vent. Holding it in will poison you. And Ted actually likes this. Yeah. It's, it's, quali- yeah, it's, quite, it's quality yeah. advice. Yeah. Ted mm-hmm. whistles. Oh, I, I like that, but Nate didn't hurt me. Bullshit. And, yeah, Roy yells bullshit <laughs> from from the other room. Right? Fucking Roy, man. Love um, oh, and Beard goes, "Oh, Roy, uh, do you want to get in on this Diamond Dog situation? That's what he's. <laughs> do you want to oh get in on God. this?" And then the, I, I was like, I thought it was bad when they commence the Diamond Dogs. Now they start going, mm-hmm. who's a good boy? Who's a good Come on, Roy. Here, Roy. Here, Roy. They're calling him like a dog. Here, Here Roy. Roy made me to laugh. Roy Kent. Who's a good boy? <laughs> Roy puts his fingers in his ear, starts yelling, la, 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 just to drown them out. I'm like, this is the most childish set of. Yes. <laughs> it started out with finger pointing. <laughs> and right, ended right, with, right, right. I'm like, what is happening? Um. We cut to Premier League weekly roundup. Uh, I don't know. We don't know. We haven't seen these announcers before. I don't think it's a woman and a man. Um, in the next episode, when we see some 
uh, we can, uh, names or whatever, we can figure out who these people are. Uh, the match of the week is clearly Richmond and West Ham. We cut to the locker room, and this is playing on the, on the uh, screen up by Zava. Now, it's been a strong start to the week, but I think the Hammers are favorites going into the London Derby. The Derby again. I, I put it in caps because I, I never can get over that they say Derby as Derby. Based on the tactical acumen of the wonder kid, Nathan Shelley. Um, and then everybody in the locker room, boo, 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 boo. And then there's another pundit there. It's a man and a woman. The man says, yeah, Shelley is brilliant, but there's no doubt uh, about that. But Zava, he's a genius. I like the Greyhounds for this one. And Isaac stands up. And what does he say, coach? That's my guy. That's my guy. And then Colin says what in response to that, boss? No, you can't have him. He's mine. And Isaac gives him a funny mm-hmm. look. And he's like, what the fuck? Uh, ha, 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 ha. And Trent mm-hmm. catches that. Mm-hmm. And we wondered, will Trent out Colin or will Trent be part of the uh, problem with regard to Colin's uh, secrecy? And mm-hmm. Trent is just watching at this point. Now, Zava turns off the TV and uh, Zoro stands up and he says, what, coach? Guys, who cares, right? And they all nod, and he says, what? Now, come on. We got work to do. Let's go. Yeah. And they all start to, you know, just get busy. Um, th- that was good. That was good for them. Yeah. I like, I, I really like Zoro. I feel, and it, it does feel natural, and this happens on teams. So it's, but he, he does seem to have become a team leader in a way that I don't feel he was in season two. Like, I thought he was, you know, a main character, but he didn't, in terms of the, the actual team, I didn't get the sense that he was the person who would stand up and say that. Um, I don't mind it, but I do think it's a change. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, he probably wouldn't have, have said it. So they're all getting ready, and then we hear Zava say, out of nowhere, he goes, he is correct. And everyone's stunned. Like, the whole place just stops. And then Zava says, you must ignore these talking faces, even when they are in our favor. <laughs> and he says, thank you, Zoro. Zoro. Uh, oh, God, so so good. good. And Zoro says, uh, exactly, but actually it's pronounced Zoro. And the guys all look up, like uh, like Isaac. It's like a whole yeah. row of guys. It's just a standard thing mm-hmm. where they're like, looking stunned, and they look back. You, know, you can see all their heads turn from one way to the other. No one questions or corrects Zava. And what does Zava say about this boss? Why? Yeah, why? Why is your name pronounced so well? And Zoro says, I don't know, because that's what my parents say it, I guess. And Zava says, my friend, you can be whoever you want to be. And he turns to the team and he says, I let all my children name themselves once they reach the age of seven. That is why my eldest is called Smingustingus. Like, what the hell? And I, I want, I just want to get a t shirt of what Jamie's face looks like. They do a cut to Jamie, and he's like, What the fuck? Like, he looks like I am, I'm not even t- eating crazy pills. I'm being drowned in straight up crazy. And they all, they all take it like Whoa. it's the word of God. And this for me, I go, Okay, this is how they are starting the pivot. It's going to go from – it's sad because, uh, you know, w- once upon a time, when you try to figure these through lines out, you would go to IMDb 
and you would see, okay, this guy, Max Ozinski, was hired. Oh, he's only in four episodes. And you go, shit, yeah. okay, they're going to, you know what I mean? And they've now figured out they how to, okay, that. they don't yep. do, they corrected that till they, so whatever. So, so now you got to say, and you go, okay, what is the Zava arc? And he came on real big in episode three. And you go, oh, I, I wonder if this is, maybe this is not a six episode, uh, you know, six episode arc for him. Maybe it's like he's in and out fairly quickly. Because when you tell me your child's name is Smingus Dingus, <laughs> and that I'm supposed to take that. Now, now I just want to point out, uh, I let all my children name themselves once they reach the age of seven. Now, compare that to Roy Kent, who says about Phoebe, who is a bright little kid. He says, who gives a fuck what she she thinks? thinks. She's fucking six years old, right? Mm -hmm. It's a totally different, Mm -hmm. right? So Jamie, Jamie's face, I, I, everyone, I urge you to just look at that because it's the weirdest. I don't even know that it's, he, it's so, uh, Phil Dunster is very handsome and his face is so screwed up that he looks like a yes. 90-year-old man. I'm like, what even face it, is he making? It's almost like the pain broke him from the stupidity. This is crazy. Anyway, they all nod, and then Zava says, dream big, and you may never wake up. And he nods to Zoro, and Zoro says, thank you. And then Zava walks out, and I'm just like, oh, my fuck." <laughs> God, it's yep. absurd. They're so lost in the woods. They're like, it's just, it's just crazy. And Jamie, who's sitting by the door, Zava goes right past him and out. Jamie, Jamie is back, by the way, with his icon cap. He's got his fanny pack. He's looking a lot in this yes. scene. He looks a lot like old Jamie with graffiti and zips, and you know, he's starting to get that vibe back, right? Yes. And Jamie says, "Jesus, I can't believe I'm about to say this," but and then he stands up. He goes, "Hey, lads." I agree with with Zava. Uh, yes, it's a big fucking game, but we just gotta focus. You know, do what we do. You know what I mean? Like he's like, we we got we know this. Like yes, he's it's, trying to just recenter these guys, right? Yeah, it's similar yeah. to when he went to go talk to the coaches and say we don't need Zava. Now he's saying I agree with Zava, but mm-hmm. what Zava is saying is that we don't need to worry about what's going on out there. Just do our shit in here. Mm-hmm. That's a great feeling when you're on a team that can do that. By the way, because. I'd say maybe, I don't know, what all, all the different things I played over the years. It was very rare that I was on a team where the quality was good enough in any sport. I played a bunch bunch of sports and where you'd be like, let's just do our thing and we're going to be fine. That, that's very rare. Mm-hmm. That's a nice feeling because you're like, we have all the pieces, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it, it's so rare that that happens. Uh, and then usually you think you have the pieces, then you go up against a team that actually has the pieces. <laughs> And whatever yeah. the sport is, yeah. you're like, oh, right. that's what all the pieces looks that like. Looks yeah. Like- um, anyway, so yeah. it's nice for Jamie that he – first of all, another leadership role. Um, it, it really speaks to some uh, progress that Zoro feels like he can talk to the team. And then Jamie – you know, there's like there, – there's like they're empowered to – they're a team. You know, they're a team. And so that's a good thing. Um, and then mm-hmm. when Jamie says this, Isaac shoots up. And he's the captain, and he goes, he's right, and don't forget, yeah? And he jumps up and whacks the believe sign. Meanwhile, Trent is in the corner watching all of this, um, and Isaac says, believe and believe. And Jamie says, yes. And they're facing the team, and behind them, (laughs) 
What happens, boss? The sign rips in half and falls. Yeah. And everyone goes, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, like, like a huge thing it. comes over. Yeah. Broke right. It. And Jamie, they turn around. Isaac, and Jamie turn around. Jamie goes, oh, shit. And Isaac goes, whoa. And Isaac looks at his hand. And <laughs> talk about, I'm telling you, this is so, it's so, it's so beautiful that different types of comedy they employ. Isaac looks at his hand and then karate chops Jamie like on the collarbone area with it. Like it's like right, probably right where it meets his shoulder. But Jamie kind of, he's like, ah, why the fuck you do that? And Isaac says, what coach? Oh, I was checking to see if I acquired the ability to chop things off. (laughs) Like you do. Like you do. As yeah. one does. And yeah. also, what That's better place to try that out than on your teammate's arm? Which yes. is Jamie's point. And I was like, yeah, I'm 100% Jamie's, with yeah. Jamie. Like, if you even did think that your next thought Harsh. was to chop yep. my shoulder, like, what the hell? I Very think it's far. great. Uh, and what if you had, and behind the Mo, Mo Bomber, do you know Bomber Catch's first name is Mo? Mo Bomber Catch. I don't think I no. did yeah. realize well, that. I, I want to make sure you guys know it because as uh, I'm typing 70,000 reams of paper for these these shows, um, I'm going to start using Mo rather than Bumber Catch to try to save my <laughs> life. Um, so Mo pulls down um, the half, the right half that kind of flopped over, and Isaac apologizes mm. to, to Jamie, which I love. He goes, sorry, bruv. I didn't think it through. <laughs> Which I love, and Bumber Catch says, "Fellas, someone ripped this in half," and the team reacts. I mean, Trent again—he's there, right place, right time, mm-hmm. uh, watching the players crowd around. They can't believe it. They all like, you know, hope come over to the to the sign. They're looking at it. Um, there are a couple of things in this scene that I think are pretty critical. One is. This entire conversation happens between the players. I think that is that is deeply right. significant. That is a huge step forward for a team when the players in a real way, not just like, you know, players only meeting or whatever, but like when the players in a real way are like, hey, we got shit to do. This is my view on it. This is your view on it. This is what we're going to do. And that that comes from the players. The other is, and, and we just had uh, Ted talking about whether or not he's a mess and them saying to him, you know, how could you not be mad? Putting that one back up yeah. there is, is such an act of like yep. denial. Like he's got these signs in his bathroom and he's got these signs, right? He's got them everywhere. He could make another one. Like you run a premier league team. I think you could afford a marker and, 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 and some, uh, you know, construction yes. paper and yet he took the ripped one and put it back. And as I was walking myself through that just now, I was thinking, okay, so what if he did that because the team's coming and he doesn't want them to see this and whatever? Well, then still, it's been how long since the shit happened? Like at some point, you're, you're, how do you know? How do you yeah, know Ted why didn't did you replace it? Who, who, Ted replaced it? Who, who says Ted put it back up? Oh, come on. Ted put it back up. There's no question that Ted I didn't mean, put who it back else? Up. Put it back up there. I mean, that seems more clear than that Nate yeah. sold them out. I mean, who else took that ripped sign and rather than go, hey, uh, by the way, who the fuck ripped the Will? sign? Said, oh, 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 oh. But why wouldn't he ask? Listen, 
I mean, I guess Dude, theoretically it could be Will, but I, I don't see, I see Will going, uh, coaches. I found this. Uh, I'm not yep. sure what happened here, but I found this. Not, I know what I'll do. I'll pretend I, it I knew, I, I felt this. I was like, oh, Ted was the one that put it back up. And so Ted, you know, suspected, but maybe he thought, oh, this got ripped somehow accidentally in the thing or right. Is that like, I, Oh, when when he saw it in season two, I thought he knew perfectly yeah, well. What that's what happened. I imagined. Okay. Yes. Oh, oh. So I never thought. Okay. That, okay. Yeah. So so then you're saying you're thinking back to Ted looking at the ripped up thing. He knows Nate has right. left. He's like Nate ripped this and and left. I'm gonna go put this back up and I'm gonna hide the event so that everybody doesn't hate Nate. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. That is the. I that's think the also yes. There is something to the idea of Ted put it back up without taping it, not showing where it's been torn. It's the opposite of the bold mended bowl mended with gold. Ooh! Oh, you're not making okay. <laughs> you're okay, not taking boss. a broken thing and making it stronger by highlighting the places in which it was broken. You are covering up that anything was ever damaged the same way that he was just denying to them that Nate hurt him at all. Yep. Yep. Okay. I have to stop us and say that there's a classic you're in Chicago. So I think you'll particularly uh, appreciate this boss. The first championship, the bulls won. There's a play where Michael Jordan's coming down the lane and he's got the ball in his right hand and nobody's going to block the shot. And for reasons of artistry alone, he takes the ball and puts it in his left hand. He lays it up left-handed. And it was so beautiful that Magic Johnson talked about it in reverence (laughs) after the game. Like, they're in the middle of a series, and he was like, yeah, I don't know what to say about that one. And for me, you taking that, comparing it to the bull, that was it for me. Like, if like that whole, that is, that was quality stuff right there. That was really... It's dead on. It's, I mean, that is spot on. You can't make it stronger if you don't acknowledge where it's broken. Well, hey, thanks. Hey, does everybody agree that eight ties in a row is not broke? (laughs) I mean, no, really. Like, Ted's inability to recognize when shit's broke, you know, uh, that's a lot longer run than he thinks. Yep. Ted has a hard time recognizing when some shit is yes, broken. Yes, That's interesting. Wow. You're a phenom, boss. Hey, thanks. That was yeah. pretty dope. No. That was pretty dope. We're going to put, a, we're gonna put a pin in, in this and stop right here because we are recording this late at night in an effort to get this uh, done. And I have been watching. This is what's amazing. And and maybe it was the half calf that Coach had before we started, but he is firing on all cell. He's getting more and more animated. The li- we are after. I'm after midnight in the east right now, which means Boss is approaching midnight rapidly, and her bedtime is about seven thirty. Um, <laughs> and, and so her face has been getting redder and redder. She's yawning. She's trying not to die. <laughs> She's trying to be a really good teammate, and I'm just watching her suffer. And I go, "Okay, we got to get her." And then she makes a home run uh, uh, observation like that, where where it's just so so excellent. And at the very least, the least we can do is let her go to sleep, get some rest. 
It's, that seems it, fair. It, that seems in all fair. honesty, it's sleep is my favorite thing. So there's no better way of rewarding me. It's true. Wonderful. Wonderful. I love it. I will tell you, we used to, um, and I'm trying to remember where it came up recently, but I used to have a whole thing about, um, like, if you're practicing basketball, you shoot, you finish on a mate. Yes. Like, I'll never walk off on a miss. You got to finish yeah. on a mate. And to me, this is you finishing Perfect. on a mate. Like, that was yeah. like, boom. This okay. Is, these like, two analogies yeah. you've given is the best basketball I've ever played in my entire life. So, yes. Let's, <laughs> I'll uh, take it now. Good. Great, great. Coach, job. where can people find you if they need to find you? We can visit We Align. That's We Align, all one word, at dot alignp.com. That's our online community for line performance and my, my coaching uh, practice. I'm also on IG at, at BK2LA, like as in Brooklyn to the number two Los Angeles. And on Facebook, I'm there personally, my whole name, Orlando Bishop, and also our company, Align Performance, has a page there. So you can check out some of our uh, offerings and and all that. So, you know, let's connect. It is great. Uh, Boss, where can people find you? Um, right now, I, I should say on Twitter until what is, uh, I feel like, rapidly approaching the bitter end uh, at Dumbly Chambers. Like Emily, if I were dumb, as I always say, and then I continue to feel dumb for saying it that way. Um, also writing at the Antagonist blog, which is antagonistblog.com. Awesome. And we will be back uh, shortly with as, as quickly as we can. We really are trying. Seriously, this, this was a, a big ask. We're, try, we're trying to, to, to keep everybody in podcasts. Um, and uh, we'll be back with part two as, as quickly as we can figure it out. Um, and, um, we're, you know what, after la we, I, I asked you guys to do a clean, a clean one and then a messy one, but after the last time I, we're just going to go messy from now on. Messy straight on. Yes. That, that was a beauty. You have won over my heart. Um, and, uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big enough man to know when there's a superior option on the table. So. <laughs> uh, we thank you all for listening. It really is un unbelievably flattering to 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 hear from you and to to see how much uh, you're enjoying this 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 trip with us. And it's nice to know there are people out there that really um, love the show as much as we do. We it's just a masterpiece, and it never fails to impress. Uh, or in the case of Boss, often doesn't fail to impress. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Uh, but uh, season three is an absolute tour de force so far. Um, and we can't wait for you to spend the rest of the season with us. Um, so for, for me, coach Castleton for coach Bishop and for our boss, Emily chambers, uh, we, we can't wait to see you next time. And as always, we are rich, rich till we, till we die. die. <laughs> that was terrible. We'll see you yeah, next time. That was bad. <laughs>